Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energize Ross. Where is the guest, man? Oh, man. The stress of 2021. Biggest show of the year, Ross. Biggest show of the year. We actually had Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports lined up for the show, and he's gone incognito for the last eight hours. Well, that's what happens when when you arrive and fight on, and some people go crazy. It's like what happens in Vegas. Yeah, I reckon what has happened is he is jet lagged and probably gone to sleep, I'd say. Yeah, well, that's that, yes, that's, well, that's understandable, but like still letting the lads down. Yeah, well, the show goes on, Ross. So, like, for people who are here today to watch the show, thanks a minute or listen. Make sure to like and subscribe and let us know in the comments who you think is going to win this weekend between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. But, Ross, before we get into that card, we have to talk about the fight and the card that was that just went over the weekend. We're going to get into Max Holloway, but like, what did you make of the card over the weekend, Ross? I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was nice to see the UFC back in the stadium. I thought it was great to see like proper walkouts. Proper. And, yeah, proper. And I just, just loved it. I think, you know, absolutely makes the heart grow fonder. And we were, what, three weeks without a UFC card? And you really feel it when you're three weeks without it. And I think I watched probably from the late, early prelims all the way through to the end. I thought it was top of the range action. Yeah, I, I watched the whole thing as well. What did you make of having fans in the arena? It was uh, it was strange, wasn't it? To be honest, I didn't notice too much until the Holloway fight. To be honest, and then you know when they were getting the Holloway chants going, I was like, I was like, oh, I wish I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever wished I was in a arena more than for that fight. It was just, first of all, it was an unbelievable fight. But it was the, when you see other fans at a fight. First, first in such a long time, it like definitely makes you jealous. Oh man, I know, and especially like the amount of the events that have been announced here in Ireland as well. That we're looking forward to going with Cage Larry, Cage Legacy Clan Wars. Uh, it's it's 2021 is lined up to be an amazing year. Also, Conor McGregor announced that he wants to fight at least three times this year. It's going to be class, Ross. But like Ross, we stopped at the t- we started at the top. Max Holloway defeating Calvin Catter by decision. Uh, in one of the most unbelievable performances I've ever seen by anyone. But on a scale of 110, how giddy, giddy was I texting you? On, <laughs> oh like, I was like a skill child, wasn't I? Uh, you're, you're on another level. Like for, like for people that don't know, uh, if you haven't followed our Instagram or seen the pictures, Ross has a picture with Max Holloway, his favourite picture. Far the one with you and Bruce Buffer. But uh, after the fight, Ross posted that. And then I actually put my face in Ross's body and shared it as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, it, like just from start to finish like it was all action and yeah. it, you know what that's a game plan that's like no one can comprehend like no one can comprehend that someone's going to go in there and throw another 100 punches than anyone's ever thrown in UFC history at you uh, and some people weren't too sure what Max Holloway was going to show up as well yeah, a lot of people were saying, uh, like the lads we had on, Jake and Donna, I think, were sort of almost picking Calvin Catter to win. And they were saying he had more pop in his shots. But, you know, Max... Holloway, I was thinking that as well. That's the way the media were sort of spinning it. But oh, you, have to, you have to do that as well. You have to sort of make it seem like the other person could win or else people aren't going to check it out. Oh, absolutely. You have to have some form of narrative where it's not a, a one-sided fight. Um, Max Holloway, 28, 29 years old, I think, maybe now. The most strikes in UFC history. Going into the fight, he held that record. I think. Um, I think. I, I know. I know you were right with the shout out at the end on the mic. But like w- when I said death by a thousand cuts, 
Yeah. It was close. Death by 700 cuts. Yeah, oh man. It just, he's next level. Like, that jab. That... Sorry. I've never seen anyone stop mid-fight, have a conversation with the commentary booth in a stand-up war, start dodging punches, and then start landing some of his own. That was next level. I was, <laughs> I was laughing. I was amazed. And I was also concerned at the same time because I was like, Max, don't lose an M. <laughs> yeah. Even the zone, was it, would you call it more being in the zone or yeah. in the Matrix? Probably the Matrix on this occasion. And he's, there, <laughs> he's, there, he's there telling the guys, I'm oh, the best boxer in the UFC. And he's slipping shots left, right, and center. He did it a few times, did a few dances. It, for me, that performance was a combination between Cody Garban versus Dominic Cruz and. McGregor versus Alvarez. That's where the combination was. Like he was as showboating as as Cody Garbrandt, but like he was as effective as McGregor against Alvarez. The only thing he didn't get was the finish. But you could definitely argue that that fight could have been stopped in the fourth round. Yeah, it was it was close, but it it just wasn't enough. But like fair play, Calvin Catterman. Like I think he's going to hold that record forever. Most most striking sport. <laughs> Unless we were you going there. <laughs> no man, should we be out in four or five? Yeah, actually, yeah, I'll be knocked out straight away. Especially if it was in Ganu. Yeah. Well, who knows, man? I think I could last seven seconds with him. Yeah, if you if you run a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tag me in. <laughs> but uh what the man, what a way to start twenty twenty one. What a Before the year. It won't be I don't think that's why it's gonna be like picked, you know. <sighs> you have to set it in some benchmark really, Ross. Yeah, I, I will laugh uh, at you uh, somewhat trolling uh, the UFC Instagram when um, oh, yeah. Alessio de Cicero, is that how you yeah. say his name? Knocked out Joaquin Buckley. <laughs> and Baz writes uh, from Energize, KO of the year. And then a few guys got like a bit butthurt over from like, it's only the first card. And then like I wrote back on Energize's behalf and I was like, yeah, name a better one, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was fitting for like, uh, Russ, you were you called what Max Holloway was going to say in the mic. What, yeah. what like what are your overall like? I know you were right in what you guessed, but do you think he was right to make that call as well? I think that's just it. Just speaks volumes to his personality and who he is as a fighter. I think that's who he is. He he is a company man and he wants those big legacy fights. I think that's why he said he'd do it. Like either way, he'd love a third crack of Poirier. I'm sure. And he'd love a rematch against Conor McGregor. Um, he'd even probably fill in for one of the co-made event spots. That's just who Max Holloway is. He he could go all day. And what about this Volkanovski? What about this Volkanovski fight as well? Because obviously Volkanovski's lined up to fight Ortega next. I, I, Max Holloway has to be up there, doesn't he? Yeah, well, I think he could be the fill-in fighter for the fight for a start. Um, you know I mean, they might get him to weigh in and and did the fight like he's not doing any sparring anymore in his training which I think is incredible and it was see I, I, when I was listening to that I had two different opinions on it like obviously if you're young in the game you have to get your miles on the clock you have to do your sparring but also depends on what style of fighter you are as well Max Holloway is so skilled in stand-up I don't believe he needs to get hit in training he knows what getting hit is like but if you're someone like let's say Ben Askren I mean where your stand-up's not up to par yeah. you still have to practice sparring you know what I mean? That's yeah. just the way it is. But uh, I think he'll be ready at UFC 260 to go go again. Um, 
I wouldn't put it past him fighting in the in the meantime. He looks like he wants to stay active and he wants to keep fighting away. I think he will be the understudy for that fight card and regardless of what way the result comes, people are clamouring now for Max Holloway to get a third shot at the gold. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah, like I've, like I've never seen people be more impressed with a fighter right across the board. And like it's crazy. Sometimes you're watching UFC and you see the tweets coming up and you know, there was, I think James Arthur at one stage was tweeting <laughs> saying like how impressed he was Max Holloway. It's interesting to see which celebs also follow UFC well because you know, come McGregor fight night, you'll probably get like J Lo tweeting and Ronaldo tweeting, sort of thing. Yeah, but come you know, a Max Holloway fight night who's tweeting is always interesting. Yeah, and maybe we'll get James Arthur on for a podcast. Yeah, who knows? Drake's also a big fan of Max Holloway as well. Yeah, well, you know what they say, you've got to beat the best, and the best is blessed. Exactly, Ross. Um, also, he blew up. He blew up social media afterwards as well, and that goes to show people were very impressed. With him. Yeah, I was so happy for him, man. I was so happy the UFC was back. I was just so happy for everything. It was, it was just literally the cherry on top. It was of the cake. It was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, also, what doesn't make a big deal to us, Pasmo, but does make a big deal in the states is they were actually fighting on a different network um, on that night on ABC, which I'm pretty sure is a big deal. I'm pretty sure all the boxing back in the day, like Muhammad Ali, used to fight on ABC. And this is the first time they were back on ABC, which I think is the largest uh, free network TV in the States. So I think it would be almost like fighting on RT over here as opposed to fighting on TG Car. So like, yes. fair play. Imagine the amount of new, new, uh, the new audience that they're hitting there as well. And Max Holloway is, is just become a, more of a household name if he wasn't already. But Ross, like, not only did we have that, like so there were some also amazing knockouts in the main card as well. The the prelims weren't that amazing. Bar the heavyweight bash, you'd say uh, Taffa. Sorry, who was Taffa taking on again? And Philippe. Taffa and Philippe. They were literally like two rhinos, forehead to forehead, bashing away. It was it, it was just like oh, it was like in a phone booth. But like yeah, we showed Frank Mir's podcast phone booth fight, and that's where it was. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ross, the mortal, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, the natural born killer, Carlos Condon, got the win against Matt Brown as well by decision. This is also a great fight as well, but with two, uh, two legends of the sport. Yeah, there was a, a lot more wrestling than I thought was going to be involved in this, but that probably just goes to show the guy's age that they're, they're not willing to stand in the trade as much. Matt Brown was 40 going into that fight, and like, he was in very good shape as well. They don't call him the immortal for nothing, but. <laughs> I was sitting there and it was Carlos Condon's last fight and on his deal. I, I, I don't particularly see the UFC re-signing him. Uh, I just feel like he's probably on a hefty pay packet for what you get out of him. And I was sort of thinking, if these went in here against like Ali Jing Lang, I think that's how you say his name, yeah. who fought like on the undercard or Ponzinibbio or Gilbert Burns, like they're just going to get smashed. And I think that's just the reality of it at this stage. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them Swan off and maybe do a fight or two in Bellator or a fight in the PFL. One, one last payday for both of them, I think, could be a great option. Um, I don't know if that was Matt Brown's last fight, but if Matt Brown actually won, I think he'd have the most knockouts in UFC history. Jesus. Uh, speaking of knockouts, uh, Lee Jing Liang uh, defeated Santiago Ponzinibbio, and that's, that's a brilliant win, Ross, in the first round, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really was. Uh, obviously, massive ring rust for Ponzinibbio. I don't think he's fought since 2019. Uh, it really, really showed. He couldn't really get much combos off. And, you know, I think Dan Hardy said it best. He uh, left pocket. It came from 
way down low. Um, once it landed, that was all she wrote. Hans Nibio <laughs> tried to um, tell the ref he was fine, but he, he yeah. was anything but. He was anything that, but. That was actually great refereeing, in my opinion, as well. Oh, brilliant. And then something we have to talk about as well. Joaquin Buckley, Mr. 2020 knockout of the year, turns into Mr. 2021 knockout recipient knockout of the year. Knockout victim of the year by Alessio De Cicero, who was coming in on a three, wasn't a three fight uh, losing streak as well. Yeah, it was, it was a, you know what? It was a bit of a funny uh, head kick because when you watch it in full motion, it didn't look like it landed that flush. But then when you see it again in a sort of slower motion, you're like, oh, clip him on the head, sort of knocks him equilibrium, and then he followed up and knocked him out. Yeah, it was almost so, where Conor McGregor knocked out Poirier in the first fight. It was it was like just around there. Yeah, would you say that hype train's uh, over and done with now? Is he... I was listening to Josh Thompson and Big John McCarthy speaking about Joaquin earlier, saying that he's just sort of a tweener. He, like he's, mm. he's, he's too depleted of welterweight and he's too small for middleweight. But, um, I mean, he wasn't undefeated going into this fight and he's certainly not now. So who really knows what happens? But, like, that's the thing about MMA. Like, there's a new star like almost every month. So, do, you think uh, he's, do you think he's like the new version of Royal Hall? I'm not too sure. I think in order for him to get a bit more stardom again, you'd have to fight James Krause because there is bad beef there and that could happen at middleweight, mm. possibly a welterweight. But let's see what happens, Ross. But like, we have to give an honourable shout-out to uh, Puna Soriano, our actual mate. Uh, go, he went into this. Uh, he's still undefeated. He beat Dusko Todorovic. Um, this, was a, this was a great scrap. Uh, Soriano's now, I think, 9-0. and And uh, funnily enough, during this fight, Dusko lost his gum shield as he was about to get knocked out. And then they had to go and find it. And then uh, eventually Soriano got the job done. And they got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the that's the first time it's happened this year. But it actually happened last year as well. And I remember Dana White after saying, can you believe that happened? And I was like, well, it happened a couple of weeks ago. So like, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, what a card. Ross, overall, you said you'd give this, I think, an 8.5 out of 10. Did it live up to the expectation? I'd still stick with my 8.5 out of 10. I give Max Holloway a 10 out of 10. But in terms of... Or I think like James and uh, done his head last week. You know what I mean? There wasn't much at stake bar the main event in this one. Uh, and I still believe that, but I still believe there was enough at stake in the main event to keep me interested. Max Holloway before this fight and now solidifying in this fight is a top 10 UFC star. He's a far larger star than anyone in the featherweight division. It was... Um... It was on a it was on a, a great time for us as well. Usually we're up till five a.m. in the morning watching these fights, and you're just like buzzing. But like it, it was all said and done and said and done at like twelve o'clock. I didn't know what to do with myself. Oh, fortunately the UFC two fifty seven countdown was on straight after, so I was like, I ordered, I ordered like a, I ordered a takeaway and just got like loads of ice cream and <laughs> just started watching it. Also, uh, one final last shout out to Max Holloway. I think he broke. Five, if not seven records, between five and seven records. I think it was most strikes thrown in the UFC fight, most strikes landed in the UFC fight, most stri- significant strikes thrown, most significant strikes landed. I think it was most strikes, significant strikes thrown in a round, and most significant strikes landed in a round. And then fair play to Calvin Carter's uh, chin for uh, absorbing them all. But uh, if you haven't seen that fight, find a way of watching that fight. It was. Next level, yeah, yeah. You, the highlights yeah. don't even do it, do it justice. 
they 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 don't they don't they really have to like follow that and just be like, well, what am I watching here? I say also, that, Baswell, can can we say when's the last time you saw an MMA fight that was stand up only, didn't once go to the ground, and there was like fifty forty two across the board? The, I, I can't even think. I don't think that's ever happened. I think no. it's first time ever. I don't think I've ever seen such a one sided stand up fight that lasted five rounds. No, it was it was just top of the range. It was just world class performance, and uh, as you said, like Catter's no joke as well. But uh, Ross, we should get into Wednesday's card because I'm not I'm not too sure. I like everyone is aware that there is a Wednesday card on as well. Originally was meant to be headlined by Leon Edwards versus Casma uh, Chimaev, which would have man that would have been sensational. But it is being headlined by Michael Chiesa taking on Neil Magny. Um, Ross, I wasn't saying that this was on like even earlier. It's yeah, like twelve o'clock kickoff. Yeah, for the people in, so in around or England or people living around, it kicks off at three. Oh, sorry, two p.m. The prelims kick off at two p.m. on Wednesday, so like you, it'll be all done by around eight or nine o'clock probably. But um, Ross, we may as well start on the before we get into UC two fifty seven this weekend. And thanks for the people who are sticking around. And, and if you're enjoying the show, make sure to hit like and subscribe. Uh, Ross, we should start off with the case and Neil Magny fight. And then uh, we should give a few honourable mentions on the card because there is some fighters on this card people have to watch out for. So, Ross, Mikey Kesa, Neil Magny in the middleweight division. No, welterweight. Welterweight division. Sorry, excuse me. It's all right, man. Don't worry. I'm used to you getting them wrong. Yeah, the UFC didn't even put this in there. I, thought, I knew Kesa moved up and I was like, maybe it's, uh, yeah. Welterweight division. Well, look, Kiesa's coming off wins over Diego Sanchez, Carlos Conda, and Rafael de Santos. Obviously, Rafael de Santos has been the big one. And Neil Magny, on the other hand, is coming off equally good wins against Li Jing Lang, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, who is like criminally underrated, and Robbie Holland. So, like, uh, Magny, like, really putting on Lawler, and Chiesa with a massive win over Los Angeles. So, like, these are almost like secret contenders, you might even say, in the welterweight division. Um, if I had to be honest, I'm sort of leaning towards Neil Magny. I think he's a more natural welterweight. I don't think he could ever have made lightweight. Um, I'm surprised Kiesa made lightweight, Ross. Yeah, he, he is very, very large. Uh, I think Kiesa is slightly better on the ground, but I think Magny's better on the feet and in the scramble. So I think Magny's going to be hard to get to the ground and keep the ground. And I just think on the feet, he has slightly better stand-up and a better gas tank. So I'm gonna go for Magny. I think a decision, but like I think a close decision as well. I think it could be like a 48-47 decision almost. I was hoping you were gonna spice that that um what you thought was gonna happen up a bit more, but as you were going on there, I was like, I can't see either guy knocking each other out. I can't really see Kiesa getting Magni in a choke or anything, making him submit. So I'm gonna go Magni as well. Decision. Um but I don't like you know we don't like copying each other, Ross, but uh that's the, that's the way the cookie crumbles, as one would say. Uh, Ross, who else in this car looks nice yet? Can I, I just want to give an honourable mention to Munir Lazez. He's fighting in the welterweight division, the co-main event. He's from that, the, that region around Dubai or Abu Dhabi, and um, he's definitely one to watch out for his last fight. He had an unbelievable performance on Fight Island as well. But uh, who else in this car, Ross, do you like to look up? Well, I'm definitely looking forward to Mason Jones versus Mike Davis. Mike Davis is an absolutely phenomenal athlete. Tell, tell, the, tell the people about Mason Jones a bit. Mason Jones is a two-way world champion out of Cage Warriors. 
Um, Ala Conor McGregor, he was the lightweight champion and the welterweight champ, welterweight champion. Uh, he's got really, really good hands. He's actually very, very good all over. Yeah, and he's, I'm pretty sure he's been in um Abu Dhabi for for a good while now. Uh, I follow him on social. I think he's been there for at least ten days. So he's over there. He's climbing toys. And these are two top prospects. This is a blue chip prospect coming out of Wales. He is the Welsh dragon. It's Mason Jones. Make sure you watch him fight this weekend. This is sort of the closest thing I could describe to this is Wales' version of Conor McGregor without the mouthpiece. Uh, this is their great wide hope, I think. And you might want to say you were there when you saw Mason Jones make his UFC debut. That's a, geez, that's a, I wasn't expecting you to say that. That's a high, what's the saying? High bar, or a high. You, you put uh, him on a pedestal. You put him on a pedestal, but. Well, look, Cage Warriors is no joke. Well, we both know that. And yeah. to be a two weight world champion in Cage Warriors isn't an easy thing to do. He was criminally undersized when he won the welterweight title. He's fighting back down lightweight. He looks in the best shape I've ever seen him in his career. And, you know, me, Baz, I don't like the hyper prospect much but I think Mason Jones the real deal in saying that I don't think he has an easy out with Mike Davis Mike Davis is an incredible athlete and he won't be one easy to put away exactly Ross that's going to be that, that's one I'm definitely looking forward to that's going to be on very early that should be around yeah. 3 o'clock I think that's the cur- third fight on the card uh, Ross also Khabib's cousin Umar Nurmagomedov's on this card as well in the bantamweight division uh, who else do I like to look up here and Tom uh, Breeze on the card as well Tom Breeze as well that's definitely one to look out for as well he, he's come off a great win uh, uh, he trains with Team Renegade uh, and for those who are big fans of Davison Figueredo uh, watch out for Matchdown and Tyson Nam because the winner of that could be next in line for, for a total shot after the Brandon Moreno rematch okay now Ross I think the reason everyone's here not just to see you not just to see me, UFC 257. Before we get into the card, Ross, let's talk about what we've sort of seen over the last week. Connor's done some interviews. Um, I thought, where do you want to start? There's been a lot. Like obviously, Khabib came out and said, Dana came out and gave that announcement on the Max Holloway card that Khabib. Yeah, maybe we start back. Khabib. Yeah, oh, I was just like, I want to get everything in. You know, we don't, we don't want to finish it and be like, we never get, we never said this, we never said that. So. So, Start with Khabib, the return of Khabib, Ross. For people that didn't see on the weekend what, what was said for Khabib. So Dana White and Khabib had a meeting. They met in the Fire Hotel. Um, Barry actually sent me Khabib's Instagram story. It was one of the funniest things ever. It was just <laughs> a quick, like, it was almost, you have your phone like this for those watching. And I was a bit like, there he is, snap, and then put the phone away. It, it was as if you were sort of taking a picture on the slide. But like the worst ever on the story of all time. Yeah. Um, look, Khabib basically told Dana White he's going to see what happens this weekend. So Khabib's decision was he was going to wait and see, which is not really the decision I think people were looking for. I think people want to know is Khabib coming back or is Khabib retiring? Um, Dana White did say one thing that Khabib said he wouldn't hold up the division, which is sort of ironic because right now until he decides <laughs> he's holding up the division he won't hold it up it's like he is right now it's like after this he won't <laughs> yeah so uh, look I think if Conor McGregor wins in impressive fashion you know they're saying Khabib is cornering his cousin this weekend then going home I don't know if he is going home I think they might just be saying he's going home if I was Khabib and a magma made up I'd want to see UFC 257 in the flesh <clears throat> 
I'm literally so excited for this weekend. Like it's it, it just just because of what everything's been said in the interviews. Obviously, Connor was on the Mac Life, uh, which is which is something I want to talk about. Connor was also on weighing in. Josh Thompson, Big Sean McCarthy, saying stuff as well. His interview with Dane, uh, sorry, his interview with Ariel as well. That, that it is it. There's so much. It's everything's intensifying. It's all like it's all about to happen. It's um. It's so exciting, isn't it? And, and it's not just mm. the Connor thing being Irish. It's just everything. The story, the, how the tournament looks, how the, how the MMA landscape mm. is changing. Like, it's uh, it, everyone is really intrigued by it. Even as I said earlier, the Cage Legacy, we are in contact with them. We want to do stuff with them. Clown Wars as well. Like, I mean, how excited are we, Ross, like, covering MMA before we get into UC 257? Just, like, what's happening around us, like. Oh, yeah, me and Barry have been in talk talking all week that we were saying Clan Wars and Cage Legacy, and like they were actually announcing stuff so fast between the two of them. It was almost like they were in competition. I suppose they sort of are in, in, a, in yeah. a small manner. But we were actually like, wait, is that in Clan Wars or Cage Legacy? Like that's yeah. how many fights were being announced within, yeah. within a week. And then on top of that as well, you know, Cage Warriors are coming back in March, and we're excited for that too. Um. MMA is just kicking off on all it's firing on all cylinders I think it's the one sport who hasn't let the pandemic take full effect on it and we are very much grateful for uh, we were talking to one of the lads the other day and he was like I wouldn't do like more football shows and I was like the MMA has given us the MMA the MMA has given us uh, so much content each week that like it would have to be a totally different separate podcast for football yeah it would be yeah and like we only have so much time in the week and I mean we only have so much free time in the week you know we're both working full time and you know we're doing the show as the best side hustle of all time <laughs> yeah yeah and then yeah we still couldn't get we could we were let down but I mean like that's that's what happens you know who knows that's we why bet. the cookie crumbles sometimes you know that's just the thing man that's the thing you know but Barry before we get into this actual fight right isn't it interesting to see the American narrative on Conor McGregor, it's so different to the Irish narrative. Like I was sitting, there with, Ariel, I was sitting there with Ariel Hawani, and they were saying like his like philanthropic uh, ways are incredible. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know who a philanthropist is, it's someone who's like really, really rich and then like starts to give back and give their money back. Like you know, proper twelve whiskey. Each bottle of that you boy actually gives back to first responders in that area so if you buy it in Ireland it gives back to first responders in Ireland if you buy it in Boston it gives back to first responders in Boston so he's giving back to you know ambulance drivers firefighters police officers like that's like such a a great thing to do he ordered so much PPE gear for Ireland during the pandemic he is one of Crumlin Children's Hospital's biggest uh, donators every year shout and, out to Pete Carroll yeah shout out to Pete Carroll uh, that was unbelievable uh, little dad I don't know if you call it a documentary or a segment on BT Sports. Yep. And on top of that, um, he also saved his friends, Jim, SBD, Port Arlington, Philip Mulpeter. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's done some bad things. Like, he punched the old man in the bar. But, like, you, know, you have to get over these things. Like, he never claimed to be perfect. He never claimed to be this role model. But, again, they he does a lot more right than wrong. You know what I mean? Like, people want to try and tarnish his name and then come up with all these other allegations against him. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, people could say, oh, I've done this, I've done that. doesn't actually make it true. And, like, not saying that, like, anything that's not proven in court didn't happen, but 
unless like he's actually convicted of anything, you shouldn't put that blemish on him because you saw a screenshot of a WhatsApp being passed around, sort of thing. You know what I mean? And like that's the way the world is nowadays. It's almost trial by WhatsApp, and what Conor McGregor is actually doing compared to what people say he's doing are two totally different ball games. Um, it's actually quite inspirational, to be honest. Yeah, I actually think Ariel was nearly about to start crying at the end of that interview, John. Yeah, well, like Conor he teared like, up. He was he, he wasn't messing when he sent the invite. He was like, "Can we get Ariel over here? Come on over." Yeah, that's the type of guy he is. Even the way, even the way on the MacLeod interview when Connor Junior was running in, he's like, mm. "Daddy's at work. That this is Daddy's work." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like seeing him as a dad, you're seeing him in a different mm. light. Someone mentioned that they, the like uh, Audi Atari like, pushed the kid in to be like, "Get in there quick." The award team. Well, and then even with Josh Thompson and, and Big John, when it, what he was talking about, um, he was even talking about the stuff Bellator has done for mm. Ireland. The, the, it's just the, and hopefully Bellator announced a few fights soon. They're getting left mm. behind, and like we we're we're friendly with too many fighters on that roster for them not to be fighting. Because yeah. like if you're a fighter right now looking at Fight Island and like even all the other events that are popping back up, you're you're must be chomping at the bit. Shout out to everyone on the Bellator roster. But um, Ross, the the, the thing is. Because of the coronavirus, everyone had to re- like sit down, reassess everything, and I think I kind of really did get to sit down and he, like as you know yourself, you can tell me differently. Sitting there with your with, with your with your kid or in Connor's situation, kids and soon to be a third kid, I've actually really got to like sit down. You have a lot of time there, and you're like, there's certain things I really want to achieve for my kids to look up to me, and uh, there's certain things in life that I haven't achieved yet that I want them to see. And maybe someone in Connor, like yes, he has all the money, but he's still. He's, he's still fresh in the game. He hasn't done many wars. He hasn't really, uh, technically, you could say that he hasn't really um, defended the belt. He hasn't cleaned out the division. He's he's uh, He looks like a new animal. Yeah, and that's what he was saying. Like, any name that was brought up from the right to right division, he said he wants to fight. He said he wants to fight Tony Ferguson. He wants to fight Nate Gaz. He wants to fight. Even Aloy Quinta got a shout out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it, what, what did you say about Aligan? He goes, goes, he's sort of cute doing that real estate thing or something. Yeah, yeah, so he's funny, yeah, funny like gas or something. Yeah, that's his yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I believe him. Like, I think he does want to fight three or four times a year. I think the UFC were afraid to roll out their cash cow during the pandemic. They were waiting to get fans back. The fans and they did come back for a long time. I know they did eventually get the fans back, but I think. UFC 257 was booked before they thought they were going to get fans back. I think they just happened to be allowed to get fans back. Um, uh, I think Conor's right. He does want to fight. Like I know people sort of almost criticizing, like, yeah, but he tried to fight Diego Sanchez. I think he was trying to fight anyone and everyone at the time. I think anyone would have done for him to get the fight. I think he was like, I'll fight Cowboy, and then a month later I'll fight Sanchez just to you know get another round in, sort of yeah. almost more than anything. I don't think he was like everyone's clamoring to see Diego Sanchez versus McGregor I think he was like you know what Diego for his career is owed a big fight and also the way he said that fighters who have like who are coming off losses and stuff he doesn't care about that I think that's mm-hmm. great for up and coming fighters who are sort of that could potentially try and go into the boxing mold trying to become like 5-0 and 10-0 and 15-0 and 20-0 and putting so much pressure on the records where it's just like if you're entertaining people are going to check in like, you know, I mean, Ben Askren was undefeated and no one was actually really entertained, so they didn't check in, you know? Yeah. Um, like, look at Kamara Usman, you know what I mean? He's never lost in the UFC. Like, no one's buying his pay-per-views, but Jorge Masvidal's lost over 10 fights and people are clamoring to see him fight. 
same with same with Nate Diaz. You know yeah, uh, I'm convinced that Connor has some part to play in these clan wars and cage legacies. Um, taking picking back up again. If he isn't, that's fine. But I, I'm convinced he sort of is because he was saying he wants to give back to these coaches and volunteers and everything he's done with Lord Celtic as well. It's uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard not to sound like you, like you're you're a nut hugger. But uh, yeah. when you see that stuff going around your community and in your own country, it's you have to really like it inspires a next generation, a new wave of people as well to do good. Well, it definitely makes you look at other top celebs and top money earners in the country, and you almost go, "What are you giving back?" You know what I mean? Like I always, I always go, "Where's Bono?" You know what I mean? <laughs> where, where, where's him? Like, he didn't even pay his taxes, and he's there, he's there with all the money, you know. But um. I don't know, I think there's definitely something to be admired there. And I think in terms of what the fans want now is we want to see him back in the octagon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're going to see this weekend. He's going to start off 2021 with a bang. Uh, I think we're all on the illusion that he will win. Uh, I think we all think he will win impressively. He's in the greatest shape of his career. And again, like I think UFC in the past have been afraid to pull the trigger on him. I don't think they should be afraid to pull the trigger on now. What if do you mean? He wins, if he wins fast, let him fight again and turn it around and fight again. The problem is they don't want to share him share pay-per-view with anyone <laughs> and have to pay them out millions of dollars. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's why when I see they should almost hold off booking the pay-per-views in the future until like McGregor's rolls around or they need to start putting like three championship fights on one pay-per-view and then McGregor the next one okay. to actually get the ball rolling. Because if they start staggering the championship once, that actually lessens a pay-per-view for McGregor unless you do two pay-per-views in a month, which is not something that UFC is that keen on doing. We can't underestimate the power of what could happen if Conor knocks Corey out within 60 seconds mm. and having all the, the people in the arena, like the, there's obviously a few sheiks there and there's mm. definitely a lot of money in that arena. But they will be like, get him back here next month get him back here in the summer get him back here in the end of the year they're gonna they're gonna want to witness him full stop like the the demand is going to be enormous yeah well like the the next pay-per-view event for McGregor to actually fight on I think is UFC 261 as far as I'm aware you know what I mean so like, it's gonna be very very interesting to see and like I, I don't know I just I'm excited to see it what did, see what how did, he gets, gets on what did you make of the way they were discussing him becoming the coach on the Ultimate Fighter? Because we all know he's going to Vegas after, like straight after the event. To be honest, I'm not actually that keen on that happening. If I was brutally honest, like I'm not dying to see McGregor coach against someone in the Ultimate Fighter. I think he would do it, yeah. And I think UFC would love to have him doing it because it's going to be on ESPN. And like obviously that's serious ratings, but I think the perfect coach is already there. You get Jorge Masvidal and you get Colby Covington, and just make him do it. I Maybe Conor going to drop in. Like, who's he coach against? I oh, know that's who's the thing. He's going to coach against. Like he said, he could coach against Khabib. I don't see Khabib coaching against him. And I have no interest in Charles Oliveira, Conor McGregor. I have no interest in Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor. Like in terms of them doing coaching. I'd rather just kind of went off and trained and then fought. But again, yeah. I'd happily see Jorge Masvidal do coaching and bring Conor McGregor in for a session or something like that. I'd go for that. 
Yeah, I, I can't wait to see Conor and Fourier meet for, for the first time. I, that could potentially be on Thursday at the press conference. Mm-hmm. Make sure people to check that out. They'll be on YouTube and UC's channel. But Ross, let's get into it, right? UC 257 being headlined by Poirier versus Conor McGregor. For people that don't know, fought before and Conor knocked Dustin Poirier out. What are you expecting in this, this matchup? It's now in the lightweight division. Arguably both men's best weight. What are you expecting this time around, Ross? I, I expect McGregor to win in sub two minutes, to be honest. Uh, I feel like he just lands with such power. Poirier wants to go to war. I feel that means he's going to want to stand up and bang with McGregor. If you stand and bang with McGregor, unless you have a granite chin like Nate Diaz, it's only going to end one of, uh, one of two ways. Poirier's been there before. He's been finished. He's been wobbled. And I, I just don't see him being able to withstand Conor McGregor's barrage of strikes. Now, in saying that, he's never been finished back up at lightweight. But, well, well, Khabib choked him, but not knocked it out. And I don't I don't see McGregor knock him out. But, again, who knows? McGregor choked him out. Yeah, so, so um, Ross, so some people were mentioning how much, like Conor was mentioning how much he's getting paid this fight. Um, how much do you think both men are actually getting paid for this fight? Very, very interesting. Um, so can, it, it's never known because you never know what the backhand. I know, is. I know, but just you tend to know a bit a decent gauge, you know. I would say McGregor stands to make about fifty or sixty million for this fight. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought it was like twenty million. But go on. No, no. I, I think because I think he was talking about the cowboy fight last year, and he said he's going to make eighty million, and he said he didn't quite make that. So what's quite not quite. 80 million, probably 50 to 60 million. Um, and what about Poirier? 1.5 million pay-per-views or more. Uh, it depends what he got quit on the pay-per-view points. I'd like to hope he did. I'd say he probably make, sounds make maybe 5 to 10 million, depending on pay-per-view buys. Is that including the 500,000 uh, Connor's given to him to build his new gym in Louisiana? Um, I'm sure that that's separate to that. I'm sure McGregor will give him 500,000. I don't know whether Poirier is going to give a large chunk again. And I think it would be a good PR stunt for the UFC to donate towards uh, that as well. Just there is always problems as a large organization. If you do donate to Poirier, you know, every fighter might have a charity that they're fighting for that they're asking for money for then. Um, Michael Chiesa is also selling his hoodie this weekend and some other of his apparel to the Good Fight Foundation. So fair play to Michael Chiesa this weekend. Nice one. So Ross, we're both predicting Conor McGregor to win. I just, like, as much as I want to be Looking at both sides, where do each side go? We should we should play devil's advocate then, right? So we start off. Connor, let's say Connor wins. No matter how he wins, what do you think is going to be said in the mic? Because that is when the whole world that is watching is going to turn up the volume and keep their mouth bleeding shut. I feel like um, I'm under pressure now because uh, of last week's Holloway show. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to go two for two. I think he called out Khabib. I think he says, "Where's that little rat scurry off now?" He's not Obviously, talking about Jake Paul then, no? No, I think he's going to call out Khabib or Magomedov, Madoff. And I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of gave it all the lightweights can get it as well. You know what I mean? Allah, his uh, Cowboy Cerrone sort of shadow, you, you can all get it, but I think there'll be a special mention of Khabib. And what about... Thoughts. I think that's the only fight they're really... Mm. But yeah, I, I don't know if you'll mention him. Like, I think, I think be... allude to him. Yeah, he yeah, Connor's very good at not mentioning 
stuff that he doesn't want to mention, even the way Ariel was interviewing him, and he sort of poked at the Jake Paul thing mm. without mentioning, but Con- Connor was very, very smart in his response. He's actually he's, he's magic on the mic. But Ross, like, let's say let's say if this could potentially turn out to be a draw or potentially a win for uh, Dustin Poirier, what do you expect for Dustin Poirier to say in the mic, and who would he who do you think he could fight next? I don't think he'll actually call. I don't think Poirier would call anyone out. I think he'd. Uh, well, first of all, he'd probably just say he deserves that title shot or he deserves the belt now, and then like he'd probably be very emotional, probably cry a little bit, and just talk about his good fight foundation. To be honest, I don't think if Poirier does win, I don't think he does have anyone to call out. Could be a trilogy with Connor. Could be a trilogy with Connor. Could be a Charles Oliveira fight. Could be a rematch with Justin Gaethje. There's plenty of stuff on the there is. Poirier. And that's always good. And shout out to Justin Poirier as well. He's an absolute legend. But uh, Ross, in the co-main event, Justin Cave Connor or Justin Poirier gets injured. Dan Hooker is taking on Michael Chandler. And the, one of these lads might end up having to go up and take on Dustin or Connor if something bad happens. But uh, Dan Hooker, Michael Chandler, Ross, in the co-main event, what are you expecting from this? Yeah, I just have to think Dan Hooker's going to win. I think Michael Chandler might have He's after biting off, uh, I don't know what to drink in uh, New Zealand, but uh, a tall glass of milk anyway. And Dan Hooker, like, he's so big for 155. I can't believe Dan Hooker used to make 145. Uh, he's so long and rangy. And I think in a three round fight, he's going to be able to withstand that. Now, I could be wrong, and Chandler could be able to take him down and ground and pound him for those five rounds. But I look at the two and think, Hooker might have to go to welterweight and Chandler probably could have made a featherweight. That's the way I look at them in terms of stature. And I just feel like Dan Hooker is the bigger man. And when you get to that close in skill level, I think that side is going to make a big difference. You just expected Dan Hooker to keep the distance and just jab the head off him? I not even jab the head off him. I just think he's going to strike from range and I think he's going to hurt him and I think he's going to finish Michael Chandler. For some reason, I'm just going to go Chandler in this. I just I like the way, I just I just like the way he moves. I, I like his wrestling background. It'd be interesting, uh, just the way he came from Bellator. It would it would actually be good for Bellator for Chandler to win this, and then uh, mm. say he wants to fight the winner of the main event, something something cool like that, you know, just to keep because because mm. like Bellator needs to get back, and this would be I know he doesn't fight for him anymore, but this would be great for Bellator to be like, look, our athletes are on the same par. Mm. Uh, Ross, is there any other fight on the card you want to look out for? Yeah, well, um, in terms of, give me two secs. We're talking about the early prelims. Just anyone there? Um, you you call out a few there for me, and I'll tell you who I think is going to win. Uh, yeah, it's someone I mentioned yesterday. Uh, Andrew Sanchez is taking on Mahmoud Muradov. I think I like Mahmoud Muradov. I think once once those Dagestani fighters are in, you're just like, oh, you know what? I think. That's that's for me. Yeah. Then um, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is fighting Marcin Prashino in the light heavyweight division. Um, I, th- I think we, you have to go for Khalil Roundtree. Uh, is it John Hutchinson? Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, Khalil Roundtree's striking coach isn't that good. So I don't know if he'll be that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, Johnny's the man. He has Khalil over there uh, yeah. in tip top shape. And. I think he's going to go in there and do the business. Hopefully not. Gonna, I'd love to see him go back to that Muay Thai 
yeah. dance. That was outrageous the last time. Well, that, that's what happened. Uh, in his last camp, I don't think he went over to Thailand to do that. And then he lost. Yeah. So in the fight camp before that, he won. Uh, who did he beat again? You fought the the Turkish guy. You fought, um, oh, Gokhan Saki. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Okay. And then um, who else on the main card? Uh, Otman Aziatar. He is one of Ali Abdulaziz's um, clients. Guys, he's undefeated as well. And he's fighting Matt Favola, who I'm pretty sure came out of the Contender Series, if I'm not wrong. And I'm normally not wrong. Um, he's eight and one and one because he had a draw against Lando Venata. I think that Tar might be able to uh, knock him out in this one, but Matt Frivola's a bit of a grinder. Yeah, so and then be interested to see there. Uh, also, some uh, flyweight action: Jessica versus Joanne Calderwood. They're both probably dying for well, Jessica is dying probably for another crack, and Calderwood's definitely looking for a crack at Valentina Shevchenko, who is the scariest woman in UFC history, and. Who else do we have? Brad Tavares fighting Shoe Face on the card. Yeah, yeah you know what? Amanda Rebus, Amanda Rebus is also on the card. She's uh, well liked by the UFC community as well. She's getting a good push. Yeah, she beat Paige Transant, wasn't it? Yeah. Her last fight, yeah. So look, it's it's not the healthiest card, but look, once you put Conor McGregor top the bill, it doesn't yeah. matter what the rest of the card is. So it, it, it's fine. We'll both be there. We'll both be watching. We'll both have our uh, Conor McGregor Proper twelves in hand. Yeah, proper twelves in hand. <laughs> yeah, um, but, uh, that that those, those that prelim card they start around half twelve. It says there, so it's going to be it'll be a long late night. It's going to be. Uh, sorry, would you you cut out for a sec? Yeah, it's going to be a long late night Saturday night, and then we're going to be back again on yeah, Monday I'd, to discuss everything. I do, I do think I might uh, go to sleep before the fights and try and get up for them. Because uh, it's yeah, not yeah. my fault. I, I am definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait to hear the Notorious Foggy Dew remix and McGregor do his walkout. Uh, it will be an epic night of fighting. The embedded, everything, man. It's just uh, this is it, it, it's it, it's events like this is the reason why we do this stuff, you know? Yeah, it really, really is. This is this is the reason we wake up in the morning and go today's day of the podcast and. No matter what. One last thing I just want to say is because we're probably close to an hour into it. It's yeah. just that um thank you so much everyone for supporting the show. Thank everyone for liking and sharing. We've got a massive push over the last uh, month and it's really sort of re-energized us in doing the show and we're really really pulling for it. So guys, thanks a million for liking the show. Do you have anything else to add in, Baz? No, it's just um cheers to uh tw- 2021 full of action man that's that's yeah. really yeah and if you are sitting at home and you have liked the show and you've not hit that subscribe button what are you doing make yeah. sure we went over a thousand subscribers as well yeah. yeah so guys make sure to like share subscribe and as always stay energized <laughs>